Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, June 22nd. We begin with part three of our continuing Safe City series. This time out, we look at the issue through the lens of Calgary's vulnerable homeless population. We speak with Chaz Smith, president, CEO and founder of Be The Change YYC. Cybercrime, it's a terrifying reality, which is now taking aim at teens and the many social media sites they frequent. We learn about the latest scam making the rounds, cyber sextortion, and what parents can do to try to safeguard their kids. Inflation rates are not just high right now. In fact, they are at the highest we've seen in close to 40 years. We break down what this large increase means for the average consumer and how Canadians are reacting to the sky-high prices with Gregory Jack, Ipsos VP of Public Affairs. And finally, summer is here and so is the risk of melanoma. We hear details on a new study out of McGill University that indicates you may be at a greater risk of the deadly skin cancer depending on where you live what's fueling the rise of crime and social disorder in our city is there anything we can do about it 770 chqr presents an in-depth conversation making calgary a safe city are continuing our safe city series focusing on what makes a city safe and how we can improve safety on our streets this morning we're joined by chaz smith president ceo and founder of be the change yyc hi chaz how are you good morning how are you excellent thanks for joining us just to start off with you're out on the streets regularly and usually in the evening or at night do you think calgary is safe You know, I think we have seen an upward trend of crime, and I think we see that reflected in stats, and it's a conversation that's happening on uh, many levels with bylaw police. Uh, We see it in city council and in the media often. Let's talk about this, Chaz, because one of the major areas we've been seeing an uptick, I believe, as far as, you know, uh, uh, homeless people taking advantage of uh, C-Train platforms for the shelter, and I mean, obviously, there are those people who need the shelter, but we're also seeing some nefarious activity, such as drug use on uh, said C-train platforms and bus shelters. What do we do to combat something like this, Chaz? Because it's uh, something we'd all like to use to make our city better. But at the same time, it's it's been very difficult. Absolutely. You know, and everyone has the right to, you know, feel safe using Calgary Transit. And I use Calgary Transit myself. I also live in the downtown core. So for me, this is also a, a a personal conversation in regards to um, that safety. I think uh, when it comes to um, safety on transit and, and what you're talking about, the, the substance use, that uh, we've seen this increase uh, throughout the pandemic, uh, you know, uh, as people are not accessing, uh, you know, services, we've we've had lots of conversations. Uh, indeed, this winter, uh, I presented to city council uh, multiple times talking about the upward trend that we were seeing at train platforms. And we've really engaged with folks on the streets as to why uh, they aren't accessing emergency shelters. And ultimately, um, what we heard is that they themselves don't feel safe at emergency shelters. Sometimes we hear these safety concerns. We also hear that, you know, husband and wives are separated as separated by gender. Um, we don't have um, as culturally geared shelters uh, for an Indigenous population. We don't have an LGBTQ2S plus shelter. Um, but also we're lacking... Um, supervised consumption sites, things like overdose prevention sites that 
uh, you know, people who are uh, addicted to substances, who, you know, biochemically their bodies have um, become changed and, and they often require these substances just to feel, you know, sort of normalized. Uh, so we don't have those services to, you know, sort of support folks. Um, but also we are seeing people camping out for days on end outside of detox centers um, because they want to be clean. They want to detox because you have to detox from substances before you can start treatment. And often people are unable to access these detox services. So I think what we're seeing here is, um, you know, quite a backlog of, you know, uh, the homeless sector as a whole doing the great work that we have always been doing. But uh, we know that the system was already sort of, you know, maxed out and struggling pre-pandemic. And we are are seeing sort of the cracks in the, the sector as a whole right now. And that sort of is, um, you know, playing out on transit lines and throughout the downtown core. And ultimately, uh, people really do want services. They, they want housing, but waiting years on a housing list is not an acceptable amount of time um, to receive services. Nor is it that if a person wants to detox and, you know, get clean off of substances, um, that they should have to camp outside of uh, detox and convince them they're sick enough to require it. So these are all, you know, sort of um, speaking towards uh, a system that really needs a bit of an overhaul and an increase in funding as a whole to sort of prevent what we're seeing. Regular folks are not feeling safe on the city streets. If homeless people don't even feel safe on city streets, who's dropped the ball or is it just that we have so many sort of tentacles that are not joining together and talking to each other left hand not communicating with the right hand is it that or you know how do we do better yeah that's that's a great question sue and i know that we've had many conversations at the community safety hub uh in the downtown core uh we've been you know connecting with partners uh throughout the sector and i think it's just a lack of of the services that that people truly need we've seen um you know attacks on on people experiencing homelessness now at train platforms as well um we we have all gone through a mass trauma together going through covid and people experiencing homelessness are no different uh the only difference is they already were in a state of trauma and we've added a mass trauma as a society on top of it um, it is really keeping those conversations going um, and letting people that have power to make change know that um, our sector needs additional supports. We need housing. We need mental health supports. We need detoxes. And until we get um, the services that people want and, and need, um, we're continuing to see the results of this play out on the streets. Uh, just before we let you go, I want to ask you about this, uh, Chaz, in the sense, and by the way, we're speaking with uh, Chaz Smith, president, CEO, and founder of Be The Change YYC. Uh, we kicked the series off earlier this week uh, speaking with Doug King, professor in justice studies at Mount Royal University. And one of the things that Doug had mentioned was he thought that one of the greatest issues is a disconnect between all the agencies who have something to say and something to do in the game, such as city council, such as the Calgary Police Service. He seemed to think that we could have more success if we worked more cohesively. We all have goals. We all want the best for the city. But do you see that as a bit of an issue? We need more cohesiveness by the different agencies that have a stake in making our city safe? 
for sure i think we all need to be uh, connected and and like i said we have been engaging at the community safety hub and with our partners uh, at different you know shelters whether um at the community safety hub it's bylaw or police because ultimately we all do have a role to play and in saying that uh you know we uh, referred 781 individuals into housing last year and 429 um, others back into emergency shelters. So as a you know grassroots initiative that uh, is primarily volunteer run, uh, we are doing the best that we can as well to support vulnerable folks and walking the streets to you know help everyone um, feel safe. Uh, we all have a right to safety. And uh, if we just keep these conversations going, perhaps we can uh, move the ball forward a bit. Thanks for all you do, Chaz, and thanks for uh, joining the conversation with us this morning as we continue our Safe City series. Appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, anytime. Thank you. Thanks, Chaz. Chaz Smith, President, CEO, founder of Be The Change YYC. You can help out, bethechangeyyc.org. There's a global trend targeting teens, and in particular, teenage boys. It's called sextortion. Stephen Sauer is director of cybertip.ca at the Canadian Centre for Child Protection, and he joins us this morning. Good morning, Steve. Appreciate your time. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So Andy and I, when we learned about this, just blown away. As parents of young kids, it's a frightening phenomenon, but we should all be worried about this, parents, grandparents alike. Can you explain what is sextortion? Yeah, so essentially it is the um, threats that occur after someone has uh, obtained a sexual image of you. So they're using that sexual image to pressure you into paying money or into creating more sexual imagery. And that's essentially what sextortion is. It's interesting, Steve, as you do some digging and reading up on it. It's, it's not like these teens, for example have to go out of their way to kind of be fished. They are on sites that they'd be spending regular time on, aren't they? And that's where these, uh, you know, uh, culprits of the crimes uh, come forward? Yeah, what we're seeing is is a lot of this is happening on the major social media platforms. So platforms like Instagram and Snapchat, the ones that youth are using on a regular basis, this is really the targeting grounds for these uh, these international um, criminals, essentially, that are that are attacking our youth. Uh, unfortunately, we, I think we need to give an example. And there was a tragic case of sextortion in Manitoba. So can you tell us about that? And, and then obviously it, that this is the way we're going to learn. Yeah, this is absolutely a, a terrible tragedy, just devastating consequences associated with a case of sextortion. So we had a 17-year-old here um, who had, uh, you know, he'd, he'd sent a sexual image to someone who he thought was a peer, a similar age uh, youth or, or um, young woman who had connected with him, and uh, within three hours, he, uh, he'd he been threatened so badly that uh, his life was going to be ruined that he ended up um, committing suicide. It was just a devastating tragedy. Steve, the online world, it, it's interesting because, you know, as a parent, I can hide the keys to the car if I don't want my teen to drive or preteen. I can lock the liquor cabinet up. But online is everywhere. We, we cannot uh, police our kids or protect them. 24 hours a day. Is there anything we can do to help prevent something like this tragedy happening or helping our, uh, from our kids being taken advantage of? Yeah, I think obviously some of the things that we talk about here at the Canadian Center for Child Protection are um, things like regular conversations about these issues, talking about the fact that there is online sexual violence that occurs, that kids can receive unwanted uh, sexual messages. They can be pressured into 
um, sending pictures, into engaging in sexual acts on a live stream, and just keeping that open conversation and, and also, um, you know, talking to your kid about the fact that if something does happen, that this isn't their fault. Um, the, the, the biggest problem here is that, uh, you know, we, like you said, we really can't police everything that our kids are doing because of the technology and, and the way it's been set up. Um, and that's one of the things that we're calling for as an organization is some adjustments to, uh, to what's happening here to, uh, you know, to these youth and, and the fact that these platforms really don't have any protections in place. Mm-hmm. They have all the data, they have all the knowledge, and uh, they don't seem to be stopping the problem. And, and really, it feels like there are almost two problems here to this, Steve, doesn't there? I mean, there's, first of all, them getting tricked in, these young people getting tricked into sending pictures, which we really need to continue to teach our kids about. But then also the fact that these predators are so able to convince them that no one will love them, that everyone will see the photos, that, you know, that, that they're able to extort them and make them feel like there is no other way out. And I think, you know, as parents, grandparents, we need to teach them as well. Hey, if you do get into trouble, it is still okay to come and talk to us about it. Absolutely. Keeping that open conversation is a huge part of the, uh, you know, part of the, the process and, and, you know, ensuring that they know that no matter how far a situation has gone, that you will help them through it. And the other thing, too, is, is when you're having conversations with your kids, talking about, uh, you know, the, the fact that if, if this does happen, to stop all communications and make sure that they block that individual, come to you right away, and you'll help them through the process. You'll connect with the right people, um, whether that's police or cybertip.ca or, or, you know, coming in through our Need Help Now website and getting some support through this. Let's talk about those supports at cybertip.ca and the resources, because I know parents, if, if you're, you know, uh, the parent of a teen, it was a different era for us. Can we get resources and get some ideas, uh, you know, um, you, you, to have these conversations and the steps ahead if we encounter an issue? Yeah, absolutely. So on our website, we have uh, a section called uh, the online harm section, and there's a specific section called sextortion on there that has some information about the incident. Um, we also have a section for um, online sexual violence, so it's cybertip.ca slash OSV, and you can go there and you can, uh, you know, there are a number of resources on how to talk to your kids about red flag behaviors online, about the, you know, the situations that they might encounter, and it really gives scenarios that they can walk through with your, with your team and talk about uh, some of the consequences associated with this. And uh, you know, really, really help them understand uh, that they don't need to comply with this type of activity, that these people are relentless, and it's it's really not their fault when this happens. Okay, so we're going to give a few websites, uh, Steve. Thank you. So cybertip.ca, protectionchildren.ca, and then the one you just mentioned, needhelpnow.ca. That is a great resource as well. Yeah, yeah. So that will give them some tools on how to um, manage content that's been distributed, how to, uh, you know, to assist peers, um, you know, what sorts of resources are out there okay. for um, youth when they've had an image distributed. That's really what that site is about, is, is giving them the tools that they need, the contacts that they need to, to walk through when they've had this type of scenario occur. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Really important conversation. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Steve Sauer, Director of Cybertip.ca at the Canadian Centre for Child Protection.
the inflation rate in Canada continues to break records. And as we just heard in business, the new rate of 7.7% in May. So how are Canadians reacting and dealing with it? Joining us with some insight from a new Ipsos survey is Gregory Jack, Ipsos VP of Public Affairs. Good morning to you, Gregory. Thanks so much for being with us. Good morning. So what were you asking for exactly with this new polling? We were asking Canadians uh, what they were worried about um, around rising costs and inflation. And we found that uh, those worries are widespread across the economy and across the country. People are concerned about anything from, you know, having enough money to put food on the table to having enough money to take a summer vacation. And um, th- these concerns are, as I said, very widespread. There's no one group um, that is not concerned. But Canadians with uh, children are are much more concerned than others. So uh, this is a problem for sure. And, you know, as you just pointed out, the inflation rate, 7.7%, highest rate it's been since, I think, 1982 uh, or 1983. And a lot of younger Canadians, they've never seen this before, right? This is the first time in their lives they've experienced this, whereas older Canadians, boomers, they, of course, went through it in the 70s and 80s. What did you learn, Gregory, as far as behaviors and how people are changing their behaviors in response to inflation and the, and the higher rates? Well, people are doing a few things. Um, as I said, they're thinking about deferring their, their vacations. They might be driving less. They're also uh, going to their employers in some cases and asking, you know, asking for a raise. Uh, four in ten Canadians said that they would ask for a bigger raise this year uh, due to inflation. That number is higher among younger Canadians who tend to make less money. Um, and uh, and also higher among those who have less education. So people are also um, looking at other options. They're looking at either changing careers, changing jobs. Um, there's a lot of things people are doing. And then obviously, too, people are looking to the government for some relief. I just heard you guys were talking before that the Natural Resources Minister federally announced that there wouldn't be any gas relief, but obviously Alberta has, has done something on that front. Quebec has sent out a check to, uh, to residents who make less than $100,000 a year. But these small measures from governments are, are really not enough to, to combat this widespread increase in inflationary pressure and interest rates. Gregory, can you break down some more of the findings for us? Uh, particularly, I'm, I'm interested as to you know how women are feeling about affordability and inflation versus men at this point. Yeah, women are actually more worried, um, not significantly more worried, not as uh, as worried as, as those with kids, although in some cases we're talking about the same people. Mm-hmm. Uh, women are, are more likely to... Um, <clears throat> be concerned about putting food on the table and, and, and all of the areas that I mentioned, they're, they're also uh, less likely to say that they've received a raise this year and slightly less likely to say that they would ask for one. Um, they're also finally more likely to say they've changed jobs. So women in particular are concerned. They're acting by, by um, changing jobs in some cases, but they're not necessarily asserting themselves uh, by asking for a raise. And of course, as you know, uh, women make on average less than men, so it's not surprising that they have a higher level of concern. Gregory, thanks for your time this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You too. That is Gregory Jack, Ipsos VP of Public Affairs. And, 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 and to the point that, that he mentioned in, in, in our business story we mentioned earlier, that it looks like uh, you know we're hearing that there will not be kind of a, a, a holiday on the taxes when mm-hmm. it comes to that price at the pumps. And apparently President Joe Biden in the U.S., I believe it's today, but sometime this week is set to announce some kind of a measure that could be a bit of a break on the taxation at gas pumps for Americans. And it's interesting. I was hearing a a news story uh, during Shea's show, The Shift, with Shane Hewitt through the overnight period within their newscasts saying that if, if, if President Joe Biden does make this move federally for the U.S., again, we have that provincially here in our province, 
If they do, that will mean Canada is the only one of uh, G7 member countries to not federally give their residents a break. Interesting. Well, maybe that um, that point maybe will spur the federal liberal government on to deciding. If we see it down south. Perhaps to do something. We'll see. We could certainly use a little help right now, couldn't we? For years, we've heard the message, sun smart. How to slip on a shirt, slop on some sunscreen, and slap on a hat to be safe. But is it working when it comes to the rates of skin cancer in our country? Unfortunately, a new study out of McGill University shows the rates of melanoma are on the rise, but it all depends on where you live. Joining us this morning is Dr. Ivan Litvinoff, an assistant professor in the Department of Medicine at McGill University, and he joins us now. Good morning to you, Dr. Litvinoff. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So we, we've heard that sun-safe message. It seems like we all know what to do. Uh, but what are you seeing when it comes to actual case numbers in Canada surrounding melanoma? Absolutely. Well, one thing I want to highlight is sun is addictive. You know, people tend much more than they need to get vitamin D or other benefits of the sun. You know, we feel good that, that when there's a sun. And so what we're seeing in Canada, where there's more opportunities to enjoy nicer weather, you know, particularly in provinces of Prince Edward Island, Nova Scotia, around the warm waters on the shores, and actually in Alberta, in the Banff area, we're seeing rates of melanoma significantly higher, say, than in Fort McMurray or northern Alberta, where the days are not as nice and the environment is not as welcoming does that just kind of translate to be you know something we would expect though where you find areas that are more sunny than others people are going to have cases of melanoma I think so. We're seeing basically uh, cases of melanoma in the south, uh, eastern BC. Then we see some areas around Banff, you know, certain parts of Calgary. We see lighting up in the entire corridor from Windsor up through Muskoka Lakes and, you know, up to, um, you know, eastern Ontario. And then, of course, Nova Scotia PEI. So those are the areas that are very known for vacation spots. And it seems to me that people are getting out, exposing themselves to the sun and getting tan, which is, of course, a sign of skin damage. Dr. Litnavov, we, we know that melanoma can be deadly, but just how deadly when you compare it to other skin cancers? Yeah, so melanoma is the deadliest skin cancer we have, uh, in fact. So each year we diagnose about 8,000 melanomas, and it translates into 1,300 people dying in Canada from this cancer. And it's totally unnecessary because melanoma can be prevented using, you know, like you said, sun protection practices that we all know about, or if, you know, regular skin checks and looking for any moles that are changing, growing, or bleeding, and that way they can be removed and treated early. Okay, let's talk a little bit about, we know, you know, vacation spots where people are mm-hmm. tanning or just outdoors being active. Mm-hmm. That's where you're going to see greater cases. Are there other things that we can look at? I mean, is there a gender difference when it comes to cases or anything like that? Yes. So first of all, I, 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 being a dermatologist, I want to encourage everybody to get out and enjoy the outdoors. Just do so without getting a tan. So what does it mean? You know, you should be out whenever you want, you know, enjoying the woods or the, your garden or whatnot. Just wear a nice white brim tilly hat, put on copious amount of sunscreen on your face, and wear rush guards, you know, those sports clothing that go all the way down to your wrists and ankles protecting you from the sun. The, the melanoma affects different genders differently. We see more melanomas on head and trunk in males, and that's sort of like if you think about guys on the beach, that's sort of the behavior. This is the areas that are exposed. Men are fond of trousers, so we don't see melanoma so much in the legs in men. In women, the picture is opposite. The number one site where melanoma occurs are the legs followed by the arms. 
and much more so, much less so on the trunk and the head. Again, because of the exposure practices or perhaps due to hair styles that protect from the sun, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Does this underscore the importance of, of starting young with, with the kids and educating them and uh, our parents' uh, responsibilities toward our children? I think so. I think we need a culture shift. I mean, we've done it for smoking, right? For years, smoking was cool and, you know, vogue, and people had posters with cigarettes on it. Now it's no longer the case. We need to do the same thing with the sun. If people don't want photo damage, you know, those sun blotches, heavy wrinkles, you know, um, that we see in people that get the sun. And of course, skin cancer. We need to start early. We need to have this as a family responsibility where both parents are protecting themselves from the, from the sun, showing good examples to their children, and taking care of their children using this lycra wear that are, you know, going down to the knee and, you know, down to the wrists and, and hats and sunscreens for the kids. I think that's really what we need. At least we've learned to get away from the tanning oil and that foil that directed the sun right yeah. at our faces. Reflective. But yeah, still Reflective. lots of work to do for sure. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Doctor. Appreciate it. Thank you for having us. We also have a portal, sunfit.ca, where people can go and get information on sun exposure practices and sun safety behavior and complete our research portal. And you can also check the rate of melanoma in your neighborhood. Just visit sunfit.ca. Sunfit.ca. Thank you so much, doctor. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank Thank you for having me. Dr. Ivan Litvinov, Assistant Professor in the Department of Medicine at McGill University. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.